0: Although our logo is cute as hell, please be aware we deal with some truly heinous content in this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. because I can feel the onset of the of the sickness. And it's funny because you won't notice because you've only spoken to me when I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: be... w- one day. One yeah. day you won't be sick and I'll be like, who the fuck
0: are you? Yeah, you'll be weirded out because I'm like really clear and not nasal, <laughs> which will be really. <laughs> Welcome to heinous's as Fuck. This is our second episode. I'm B. I'm Talia. And we're talking today about Season 13, Episode 2, Personal Fouls. Do you want to dive right into the recap? Let's do it. All right. Okay, so Fred Savage's dad from the Wonder Years, <laughs> Coach the <laughs> Masters, <laughs> the coach for the Baby Barons, and he's being inducted to the Hall of Fame by his past players, the uh, there is a character of prince who is ominously absent Mm. Uh, there's a gatecrasher who shows up shouting that ray masters should be ashamed of himself and he knows what he did cut to olivia pissed that they're hiring another detective basically because she's upset about elliot leaving she's a bit of a bitch about it (laughs) like (laughs) sassy and then craigen's just like just fucking pack up his desk man (laughs) like we don't need it as a shrine and she's
1: alive like, oh, um, yeah. I, I, I know, I'm sorry to interject so no, quickly, no. we haven't even gotten into the crux of the episode yet. But there was a <laughs> point where it's because I've, so I've seen this episode via my Facebook Reels. So for those who don't know, I have watched a large amount of SVU just by like swiping left or right on my Facebook feed and finding those really awkwardly cropped higher pitched questions that that upload a uh, SVU episode. So I've seen this episode and the way it was cropped when she's cleaning up Elliot's desk makes it look like it's – because so there's a picture of him on his desk and it's with one of his kids. But the way it's cropped on when I've seen this episode before, it just looks like it's a picture of Elliot. Oh, really? Sort of they like...
0: cut out the baby?
1: <laughs> it's, I, I don't know how they managed it because, like, on, when I've actually watched it. Normally, it makes sense. But on on Facebook, it just looks like he's like, hey, kids, with his elbows on his knees, kind of posing. And I've always Uh, had this thought of, like, why does he have that photo of himself? A photo
0: of himself on
1: his desk. desk. (laughs) It's hilarious.
0: That is hilarious. So two things. One, I had never seen those sped-up reels until you Hmm. mentioned them, and then they started showing up on my Facebook I had never seen those before like the high-pitched ones never mm. seen it I, when you mentioned it I was just like oh I didn't know those existed and then like, they started coming up on my <laughs> on my Facebook I'm like oh okay secondly and now you know
1: that that's the superior way to watch SP. Yeah,
0: apparently where they like say fuck this baby and then cut them out <laughs> um
1: it's like what I was telling
0: you uh when I was trying to when I was like catching you up on what has happened in the last few seasons where there's a bit where like Olivia saves Elliot's wife and her newborn from in because they were in a car crash and then he when he finally gets to the hospital he like hugs Olivia and they hug really really tightly and the context of that is is fucked and you're like he's just relieved that Olivia saved his wife and kid mm. but people use that clip in fan edits where they're like look they love each other and it's mm. like what <laughs> pretty sure that's not what that was but all right and it's just mm. hilarious that they're like nah this kid sucks cut him out
1: <laughs> <laughs> cut him out and
0: make it seem like he keeps a picture of himself on his desk
1: <sighs> <laughs> like
0: um have you seen while you were sleeping the movie
1: no oh wait no i guess i have the one with sandra bullock,
0: sandra bullock. yeah it's sandra yeah. bullock it, uh fuck what's his name eyebrows the guy with the eyebrows. <laughs> Uh, It's also like Bill Pullman, but the guy with the eyebrows is the one that she falls in love with initially. Funnily enough, he is a major part of the SVU in a couple of seasons. But anyway, he has pictures of himself in his house. (laughs) He's got like (laughs) he's got like Studio Two Thousand pictures in his house. (laughs) You're like okay. All right. okay let's, go. <laughs> let's keep going with the recap <laughs> so yeah she packs up his desk and it's a lifetime movie she's looking at everything and then Ice-T comes up well not ice Tea, but Finn
1: <laughs> tells
0: Olivia about the gatecrasher at the induction because he claimed that it was that the coach had sexually abused him they go see the dude the dude is withdrawing like crazy in a cell they introduce Nick Amaro <laughs> And Mm. Olivia is a dick to him as well. (laughs) She's Mm. just being a dick to everyone. Finn and Amaro find the gatecrasher, Stevie Harris. Oh no, they're supposed to go get him, but they find that he's escaped the hospital. But Amaro, again in this whole, these new detectives know what they're doing, he recognises... Stevie, as a basketball player, knows where he hangs out. Amaro and Finn find Stevie and manage to get the story out of him. Stevie was nine when coach started touching him on away games. Stevie (laughs) feels guilty because he kept going back. Amaro... Maru comes in pretty hard. I think they say he's come from he's coming from undercover, but I think they say he does bail stuff, so trying to catch people that have jumped bail maybe. I can't remember what. But it was basically he was undercover for ages and so he comes at Stevie pretty hard. And you'd think, oh, did you end up watching the John Oliver thing?
1: I did, and I was just about to say about like it, it makes sense from this point of view now of, if they've got no training in how no training. No training. Like,
0: that was harsh. Yeah, and that's why there's cops that are like, oh, yeah, I learned how to talk to victims by watching SVU, and you're like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> what? But, yeah, I think this shows it pretty well of Amaro coming in laterally from somewhere else and then just being kind of a dick to Stevie initially. Mm. Why didn't you tell your family and all of this stuff and not quite understanding that there's, like, a shit ton of shame with that kind of stuff. Mm. And, yeah, um, just pile on the guilt.
1: That's that's how we treat
0: him. Mean. Yeah, yeah. And then I think as he's talking, Stevie realises as well that he got too old for the coach and then he kind of jumps in saying that he got paid off the coach was paying him off so they go see the coach he tells them a different story about stevie and says he wants to blame others for his own life and says he was giving stevie money but stopped when he realized he was using it for drugs amaro i think it's amaro and finn talk to devon the the like current favorite and the kid basically says that the coach is a way out presumably a, a way out of the life that they lead Mm. Craig doesn't want to go through with the case because Stevie is a bad witness the whole SEU team thinks the reason the coach stopped paying Stevie was because of the statute of limitations of when he, he would be able to accuse him. Rollins finds another case where Coach Ray was accused Olivia and Rollins go to Jersey and the mum of one of the kids says coach in 1988 admitted what is this? Olivia and Rollins go to Jersey and the mum of one of the kids Ray coached in 1988, admitted that uh, the coach had touched him, and then just before they were able to charge him, Amaro is unloading his desk and decides on a picture of him with his mates instead of the one with him and his daughter. And it's such a... You'll realise why this is relevant afterwards, I guess, but it's just a weird thing to include here, where Amaro is very much about perception of him he wants people to think that he's hard and tough and shit and like i guess that's why he doesn't want them to know he has a daughter (laughs) such a fucking weird thing um (laughs) can't let
1: them know that that came from me yeah yeah (laughs) like
0: how dare they see that i procreated it's
1: interesting because i like knowing basically nothing about amaro i assumed that that was because like oh okay i'm now in a in an area that deals with sex crimes i don't want to have to be reminded that this could happen to my child That knowing that that could
0: be, no, no, it could be. We we don't know exactly uh, what the way I always saw it was Amaro being like, no, I don't want to show like a softer side of myself. Mm. Like it could be that as well. Mm. I I, honestly, I'd never thought of that. So it could be that. Mm. The there's there's a throwaway line which made me laugh, where I think they're talking. I can't remember what they're talking about, but Roland says that. Oh, the donuts! She offers Amaro a donut, <gasps> and she said it's the last of my vices, and mm. all I get is lies. <laughs> because <laughs> holy shit, does she have some vices? And then I was thinking that maybe that is the last of her vices, because I think the inference is that she fucking goes nuts when she gets to New York. I think. She wasn't as bad, but then New York kind of, like, set her aflame. So it could have been her, the last Ooh. of her vices at this point. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm like, yeah.
1: We can always make room for new vices. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, the team... Olivia
1: also makes a, a point uh, when that line comes through. Like, she, she's like, oh, a cop who doesn't like donuts, how can I trust you? And it's delivered yeah. so, like, icily.
0: Like, she's she's such a bitch <laughs> she's
1: such <laughs> a bitch to both of them and she
0: keeps referring them to as uh children to Kragen, like babysitting and yes. stuff. And she's like,
1: Yeah, because she goes like what is this? A daycare center? Yeah. All right,
0: no. <laughs> like Alright, settle down. <laughs> All I could think of is, right, like, despite these characters, whatever they end up being, I would feel awful to start a new job and for the decorated, loved detective to treat me like that. Like, I'd be like, mm. oh, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's far <laughs> Imagine starting a new job and someone saying that shit to you. Like, fuck, all right, well, I'll just go fuck yeah. myself. <laughs> <laughs> So the team finds Coach doesn't have any dodgy financials, but Rollins, again, she finds mm. that his charity financials aren't so clean. Now, I know that they mention it, but I don't know if they mention it in these episodes. Rollins has a forensic technology degree. That's why she's good at the tech stuff. But like, they don't make it very clear. And it's fun- funnily enough, a lot of people that have seen a lot of these seasons are like, wait, wait what? She what? Because she <laughs> it's just in these first episodes where they have her doing tech stuff, you kind of get that impression, but then afterwards it's mm. just pure you sexual.
1: Because that makes her as a character, if I had been told that Rollins had this background, that would make her as a character, to me, so much more interesting. So it's interesting that that's not really put forth at least said by you
0: know they say it once and i don't and i don't think it's in these first episodes i think it was implied but they never flat out say it until much later yeah and it also makes it look less like they're shoehorning her being like oh what about this piece of evidence (laughs) because she's taking that's what like that's what she's trained to do. So yeah, that's why she's. Oh well, actually, I just checked his financials for his charity that aren't really that clean. Although I,
1: I will say that the way that they put that in, like for both this instance and the way they did it with Amara earlier, because what she does is goes, oh, what, why don't we check his charity? And she turns the the screen around to just show web page. It's like, yep. Oh, why don't you go check it then? It, it's, <laughs> well, <laughs> The, yeah, the the homepage
0: of that sure does look fucking sinister. You're right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think she she the precursor sure. to that that she says that there was mm-hmm. a case in Atlanta where mm-hmm. someone their personal financials were cleaned, but their charity wasn't. So I think it was more like up oh, up, oh, and this guy has a charity. <laughs> like, get him. So like I don't think, I don't think it was. I mean, it was a bad exposition, but I don't think it's that bad. <laughs>
1: It's one of those things that I always end up paying attention to because I love it when they do it in, not just in SVU, but uh, SVU does it a lot. Those little exposition-y things where they're like, nobody would do that in real life. Turn your fucking screen back around.
0: It's so Um, unnatural. (laughs) (laughs) And those websites are awful. (laughs) Like the worst graphic design. Like someone just mashed together a bunch of shit like 10 minutes before (laughs)
1: Yeah very, very graphic design is my passion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> so Amaro and Olivia go to see the coach and he makes himself out to be the savior of Richie which is the the boy who killed himself. Olivia steamrolls over Amaro in the interview basically treating him like a child, and basically tells the coach, I know what you are, and the coach shows his true colours. Like, I – so that guy, that actor – so I grew Mm -hmm. up watching The Wonder Years, and Mm -hmm. that guy looks a bit like my dad. (laughs) So it was very horrifying the first time I watched that episode where his face changes to angry predator. (laughs) Like, it was – it was. he did it really well, obviously, Mm -hmm. but – But I was like, kill it. Kill it. I don't (laughs) like that. I don't like that at all. So the team talked to everyone who the foundation is paying off, but no one wants to talk. The coach knew they they say that the coach knew how to pick his victims so that this is where finn tells rollins about his son who is gay and the fact that he didn't Mm -hmm. take it very well the first the first time that he was told and it's weird because the way that so the the actress who plays rollins is called kelly giddish and Mm -hmm. it's i honestly don't know how to read her reaction because to me And obviously because she's from Georgia, I don't know, her reaction read to me like she was just, oh, oh, your son is gay? It it seemed Mm. very dodgy. Because they, like, stay on her her her. face. Well, they stay on her face as he walks away saying, like, because he says he's the bravest man I know, and then he walks Mm. away and you see her reaction and I don't know. Like, I don't know how she played it or what she intended to do, but to me it it seemed very, she was just like, oh, like, Mm, okay.
1: Okay, I, that. Because when is this season set?
0: So season 13 aired in
1: 2012. 2012. So that's, I mean, we talk a lot about, like, where gay rights are now versus where they were in 2012 is, uh, it's, it's a decent leap.
0: Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah.
1: So I suppose I could buy that you know maybe it was like a bit of an offer i think
0: it's more that she's from georgia and georgia tends to be even more behind it like so georgia atlanta georgia tends to be a bit more bible belty
1: okay so that's good to know as you know from an australian point of view where we do not know that kind of shit so that's (laughs) that's something that I <laughs> like. I don't know if I could tell you where uh, where in America are the most slash at least progressive. So, oh, right.
0: yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, like, I, I don't want to offend anyone from Georgia, obviously, but Georgia in general tends to lean Republican, and okay. also it is very religious, and it is also a lot of people so what we would call bogans <laughs> but <laughs> more like hickish i guess i don't know if mm. it's a slur i don't know if it is it's more look in in very crude terms there's a lot of trailer trash stuff that comes from that area not specifically georgia but like around that area so okay. yeah i don't know if you're supposed to read all of that into roland's expression but it, it was weird to stay with her for a an extra beat otherwise Mm. like why would yeah so I don't know I I could be imagining it but I just found it weird that they stayed with her expression for a bit longer than they should have
1: (laughs) admittedly with this episode because while I was watching it the first time around I had it on in the background while I was doing work so it's entirely possible that I completely missed it I think the only point in time where I actually went like, and actually sat down and paid, like, actual attention was when, because I'm watching it via Prime, and it ca- like, the little thing on the the bottom of the screen came up and was like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in this episode. And I was like, <laughs> no, he's not. What? So, yeah, according to Prime, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger plays himself in this episode. And I sat there going, I wonder when he's going to come in, because <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs>
0: No, he doesn't. Unless he was like a background <laughs> character or
1: something. <laughs> I think Prime does that though. Every now and then they're just like, I wonder if anybody looks at this character. Kind of yeah,
0: stuff. just a random <laughs> person. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Let's,
1: let's get back to the actual. <laughs> the okay, actual
0: rehab. so Stevie is doing good in rehab, Amaro and Olivia talk to him and he's really excited about his program but they tell him that they can't prosecute anything because of the statute of limitations but they ask him if anybody else can testify because they can't find anyone and stevie without actually saying who it is but he says that prince prince miller Mm. got it worse than he did so implying that the coach actually raped prince instead Mm. of just, just feeling them up and stuff. Not just, but mm. you know, Olivia and Finn. It's Olivia, yeah. Olivia and Finn go to speak to Prince, and they meet his cousin Supreme, which is a heavy D. I don't know if, how <laughs> you know your R and B and rap from the nineties, but he was pretty big at the time, which was hilarious. I, I
1: did not know that.
0: Oh, yes. Well, it, it's heavy D. He had a bunch of hits like late nineties, so it was really funny to see him there. I was just like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the concept of Chekhov's gun? So, uh, do you want to read out the what for people that don't know what Chekhov's gun is, just uh, read out the the meaning. I'm
1: not reading off of Google. What are you talking about? Chekhov's gun <laughs> simply refers to any seemingly unimportant element that becomes significant later on in the story.
0: Yeah, so basically Supreme shoes are Chekhov's gun. It's a Chekhov shoe because it's definitely coming back sometime because they made such a big deal about it. Definitely
1: hmm. comes back. Did we actually say that in this part or was this before? So check check off check off shoes. So the shoes that Supreme is wearing, he specifically mentions they are a prototype. He is the only one that has that prototype. Not even Prince has them, so yeah.
0: Yeah. And they've got a very distinct soul. So they've got like the P for Prince on there. So it's like, Well, that's way too specific. <laughs> that's definitely come- <laughs> Also, it's, it's a funny conversation with Supreme and Olivia being like, you got a job for me? Supreme's like, I don't know, can you dance? <laughs> 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 Prince def- uh, so Prince walks in with his lawyer, like, straight off the bat. So obviously that never looks like you're, you know, innocent. Prince defends the coach and denies any wrongdoing on his part. Rollins mentions that Prince wasn't at the induction. Amaro mentions, so this is just like random things that happen. So Rollins says that Prince was specifically missing from the induction. They also find out that Amaro's wife is in propaganda in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And he says it very hesitantly as well, like he doesn't want them to know his life. Stevie tells the team Prince called him and invited him to his club. Cabot begrudgingly allows Amaro and Olivia to strap Stevie with a wire, but, and she also finds a way to charge coach ray in boston due to so i found this very interesting and i did look it up like i'm not i'm not going to bore you with the details of it but Mm. it was very interesting because it's real basically what happens is the statute of limitations stops when somebody leaves the state but in illinois when the statute of limitations so usually it's like five or ten years and then you can't accuse that same person after that time but in illinois if that person that is being accused leaves the state the clock stops and if they come back to the state they can be charged Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that was made specifically because of the diocese because they would move their priests around so instead Did of You letting, mention
1: that in the app yeah.
0: yeah so instead of making letting the clock run out they would stop the clocks and if any of those priests would come back in they'd be able to charge them which i think is a very interesting thing because it's another one of those band-aids on like a fucking <laughs> institutional problem but anyway, I found that very interesting and that's what Cabot plans to use because they find out that some of the away games were in were in Boston. So Cabot gives Olivia her condolences about Elliot, like if he's dead. <laughs> uh, Stevie goes off before they wire him. So I think Prince calls him or something, so they don't get a chance to wire him. And by the time that the team arrives at Prince's club, Stevie and Prince are fighting in the street and it's very obvious that Stevie brought up the stuff about coach Ray, and Prince was like, nah, (laughs) 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 "Nah, and they start physically fight, and then Stevie gets really upset, and runs off, basically tells Amaro to leave him alone. The next morning, Amaro gets a call, because they find Stevie dead, presumably from an OD. Because they know that something dodgy's going on, they ask for a workup of the scene, so they want uh, CSU to do a workup, and the cop is like, for an OD? It's like, alright, so yeah. so the emmy determines stevie's death as pending investigation and amaro sweet talks her to hold off her de- determination until they can get more info and i think this was another uh, setup of oh amaro's charming <laughs> you know like he can charm the pants off of warner who's usually very stern and, and you can see olivia in the background be like
1: bitch what are you doing <laughs> like who do you think you are while they're in the I'm going to call it the autopsy room because I don't know what the room actually is. Yeah, they're talking about how, okay, it, look, it could have been uh, yeah. a drug overdose because we, we we're also talking about how, you know, this, the Vic, he'd just been in a fight, so potentially, you know, he's suffering from a concussion. That, so the, the ME does actually say, look, it could reasonably go the way you're saying and it could be going the way other people are saying. But the issue, yeah, is that, yeah, then Amaro just says, yeah, can you hold off? Mm.
0: So instead of just changing what what she's determining, it's like just hold off until we can investigate further. But I think it's it's really interesting as well that I think this shows as well how experienced Melinda Warner is in her job, because if she determines something and she says, okay, well yes, this was this was foul play because it could have happened like this, mm-hmm. if they her up on the stand someone could easily be like but is this not a plausible thing as well and she would have to be like Mm. yeah and then her credibility would go out the window so i think it's also showing that melinda is really good at her job and she does not want to stick her neck out if she's not a hundred percent sure about something Mm. so yeah i like i like warner they should have kept her on as a as a mainstay but they kicked her off because I don't know why they kicked her off. Actually, when
1: does she get kicked off? Because I'm, I'm vaguely... like, because I like her too. She's one. She's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, she's yeah. really cool. She, does, she she kind of tapers off in the next season, I think. Oh,
1: okay, Bugger.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like yeah, around the end of season fourteen, and then I think she does a couple of guest spots here and there. Mm. And
1: you're like, it's Melinda.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so the team have Prince in their sights. They think that Prince did it. Prince presents at the station with his lawyer and a video showing him fucking two chicks after getting them to sign consent forms before and after. Very normal,
1: <laughs> very mm-hmm.
0: normal things,
1: happen. And we get to see a little bit of this, like, this tape. And this is another one of my, like, favourite things that they do in SVU episodes is where they'll – can you imagine the direction of this tape where we're like, okay, we, we want to see you, like, rubbing up against, you know, rubbing up against each other, you three people in this bed, but don't <laughs> ever actually get to sex.
0: <laughs> this – so these are really funny. And there's – you think of the B team recording all of this and it's really funny – but then it mm-hmm. also gets to the s- scary ones where there's kids involved and you think, what parents mm. would let their children act in these episodes? Because have do you know who Jeanette McCurdy is?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, have you read her book? I haven't
1: read it, but I've I've listened to the excerpts on Audible.
0: Yeah, so I, she I, I um so not. for so this is this is beyond my time. Like I I had already grown out of like Disney Channel by the time that she became famous, but she was the best friend Sam on iCarly. She brought out a book last year called I'm I'm glad my mom died, I think it's called. Mm. And and she talks a lot about how her mom just pushed her to be in ev- anything and everything. And Jeanette McCurdy is actually in an episode of SVU when she's 11 or 10. And it's one of the most harrowing performances by a child I've ever seen. <laughs> she mentions in her book of how she was just going through the motions as far as like saying the lines and stuff, but what she actually was told to say did stick with her. It, wow. it was something that afterwards when she realized what those things were that it was like a punch to the gut mm. so so i always question when especially this show has kids doing scenes so there's been episodes where they find like tapes of kitty porn or whatever and mm. they don't there's no actual kitty porn happening but they do show like the preamble to it and even mm. that is so gross, <laughs> like, because yeah. it it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you fill in the blanks and you're like, no, thank you, I don't want to. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: because yeah. there are so many episodes where what you see is somebody's photoshopped a child's head onto a body wearing a bikini and they're like, they make a point of going like, oh, well, that's not, you know, that's just what we're showing the camera. Yeah. What we're actually looking at, the characters in the show, is much, much worse. And that, like you said, having to fill that in, it, it makes you realize, what is the state of like child acting in that in that respect, because yeah. it, just because just because it's not actually showing child porn doesn't mean it's not absolutely terrifying for the child involved.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to go through as well some of the episodes where they have had children do do and say like fucking awful things, and how many of those children it was their first and last job.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some kids that aren't like, um, I think one of the fannings was on SVU, mm-hmm. the first job, and she's gone on to do a bunch of stuff. But if you think about how many, ep- there's over 500 episodes of SVU. Mm-hmm. And how many of those child actors were like, no, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was
0: bad. Anyway, let's get back to the recap. <laughs> oh, dear. The fuck tape of him, like, fucking <laughs> Olivia nearly gets Prince to talk by asking him when Coach stopped raping him. There's also a big hullabaloo during the whole episode of, uh, I think Finn asks him, tell me that nothing happened not wearing your glasses, because Prince is wearing yeah. his glasses the entire time, like, uh, sunglasses. The crime scene photos show the imprint of Chekhov's shoe. Uh, <laughs> Olivia and Finn arrest Supreme... And then the team take Prince to to where the coach is still coaching the kids, and they take him there. And there's all these kids really excited to see him because he's obviously a role model in this world. And it's such a gross scene where the coach actually touches his fingers. Yeah, and it's so gross. Like so, so watching the coach through the chain link fence. And the coach comes up and he's got his arm around his current kid. And even Mm. that's to begin with. And then the coach puts his fingers through the chain link to touch Prince. And it's like, God, gross. Mm. (laughs) Stop it, dad, from the wonder. (laughs) You (laughs) stop. It was so gross. I didn't like that. And then basically Olivia lays it on thick of they're going to their away game soon. Yeah. So basically being like, if you don't say anything, these children will will continue to be raped or will be raped for the first time. The next thing we get is Prince holding a... Oh, pre- uh, No. He's not, he goes to a grand jury where he tells the story and then he does a press conference and you see Devon, the, the current favourite of the coach, break down as Prince is telling his story about what happened to him and why he hadn't come forward earlier. And his mom, Devon's mom, is like, what's wrong? And they hug and obviously you get the impression that he finally tells her what, what had been happening to him. Coach masters get, also in that scene, don't you find it fucking ironic that the guys that were inducted? the coach into the hall of fame were the same ones that were behind prince at the
1: end oh were they I didn't pick up <laughs> yes
0: i'm like you <laughs> hypocrites um no not really like i'm sure they were <laughs> they're all victims but it was also like mm. okay well all right where mm. was this before so they take coach masters out in cuffs and there was an interesting what prince ends up saying at the end is is something You know, it's a pretty powerful line which basically says, the shame is not ours, it's
1: his. Mm, I I wrote down exactly the same thing. I thought that was an incredibly powerful line because this, I mean, this whole episode actually does like a really good job, especially that last bit that you were talking about because it it cuts in between Prince giving this, this testimony about what happened to him and like you said, Devon breaking down without actually saying anything to his mum, but it also shows the the previous victim that killed himself, I think Richie Ramos, yeah. um, it shows his mum, like, watching yeah. this as well. Yeah. So, you know, that, that sort of the widespread effect coming forward has, you know, not just to the future victims, not just to the present victims, but to the past as well. Yeah, it's a – I, I – I know that we are here to criticise Law and Order, and as as we should, but it's yeah. <laughs> actually a really good episode.
0: Yeah, the last two episodes have been really good. They're, they both deal with really heavy subjects, but that's what you get with SVU in general.
1: Mm. But mm.
0: like, I, I don't know if I said it on, on air or if I was just talking to you, but I think season 13 is a really strong season. I think people get very caught up in the elliot of it all sometimes and mm-hmm. are like no oh, well it was better when he was on it's like the show was good there's a reason why up to this point they're on season 13 I think the way that season 13 the episodes that they have done for season 13 are still really good episodes like I think there's only one that I'm like boo get off the stage <laughs> are you gonna tell <laughs> me before we get to
1: that episode so I know I had a time?
0: yeah okay (laughs) i'll I'll just (laughs) tell you like episode blah blah, and then you'll know (laughs) like there's a couple that i don't like that i do skip over but i think it's mainly because of a character that's going to come up Mm. but at the same time it's not that they're a bad actor the fact that you hate this character so much is that they're really good at acting this bad Mm -hmm. those things. Anyway, we'll 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 get to it soon. Trust me. <laughs> so yeah, the this episode is really good. There, there's a couple of like really nonsense things, and and obviously part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast to begin with was that's why I wanted you to watch the John Oliver thing as well. This show is fantasy. This show mm-hmm. is not how the real. SBU works this is not how any cops work this is pure fantasy olivia benson does not exist no one has proved to be this passionate about their jobs except on tv and i think it's mm. something that i said to you as well like the last time we spoke of you know this show should be on the shelf next to fucking lord of the rings you know like because it <laughs> is fantasy there's mm. hardly anything about this um, and about the way these cops act that is real <laughs> like mm which is upsetting, but people should know. And it's funny because I'm in that John Oliver thing as well. There's people that literally cops and lawyers were like, oh, yeah, I, I just do what they do on SCU. It's So, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. It's, like, Going into watching these episodes with you, like for for the point of this podcast, I, I suppose I didn't know how bad it was from a point of view of that they don't get training to like how to talk to yeah. victims, how to that it is all emulating or you know what their perception is like. They're emulating what their perception of is happening in the episode. What I thought coming into this was going to be like the worst offender was no one is this passionate, and it's not necessarily because they don't start out passionate. It is just it is so difficult to maintain that level of passion in the face of a system that can't prosecute everybody that can't it is, always find the bad
0: guys working yeah. against victims. I think something else from that, uh, like I'll add the John. In the in the show notes the the little it's i think it's 27 minutes but one of the things that stood out for me like there's a lot in that that stands out to me but one of the mm. things that stood out to me is that so both stabler and olivia have closure rate of cases of like in the 90 90% mm. and the real numbers are like 30 and i think mm. there was a year where it was like 6% closure
1: rate mm. and like <laughs> Okay, oh, you can't have a show that 70% of the episodes end with, oh, well, we try our best. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah.
0: Like, we and, get
1: and that it's... there's going to be, you know, some exaggeration.
0: It's funny because there are episodes where they don't catch the bad guy or, or where it's mm. like there's, there's two episodes, no, one episode in particular, I think it's from, like, season eight or nine, and it is the worst episode. I hate it so much with The Fiery Passion of Death. I knew what they were doing, but mm. I didn't. Like it's basically just a its a college student accusing her professor that he raped her. The mm. problem is that in the episode, they give reasonable doubt on both sides. Neither of them are trustworthy. So you don't mm. know if it happened or not. And motherfucker, the episode ends just before they give the verdict. Oh, so so right. you're supposed to make up your own mind. <laughs> and I was like,
1: oh. mother. Like, no, so no 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 i can't be trusted
0: you tell me what yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that was upsetting <laughs> mm. so i looked up a case for this but the most horrifying thing happened this isn't based on anything specifically and if you look up basketball coach a pedophile or a basketball coach anything to do with children mm. there is nearly one a week as yeah. l- as, as last
1: week because mm, I was going to say that even if this episode was not based on a particular case, this is this is going to be rife, you know? This like, is
0: just common at this point. This is mm. – I I thought that maybe reading up some cases and I'm just like, wait, is this the same case as before? Like it kind of – I started to feel a bit better that maybe I was just reading about the same case over and over again. No,
1: mm. no,
0: no, none of them are doubled. It's just mm. so rife in like mm. not only – like any sort of coaching or youth pastor or it's Mm. just it was horrifying i I was literally like you know in the fifth element where lilu's reading about war (laughs) and she's just just all this horrifying stuff like scrolling through and she's just like weeping yeah that was me scrolling Mm. through how sheer amount of times this has happened over the last Mm. like 30 40 years like it was i it was awful I
1: don't know if we made a point of saying this at the beginning of the episode, but our first victim who ends up dying through the course of this episode is is a white a white passing at the very least. But the vast majority of the other up-and-coming kids in coaches, yeah. basketball, like the little barons, are all uh, kids of colour. And, you know, it, it gets brought up multiple times throughout the episodes that this is a way to get out of uh, an underprivileged situation. This is...
0: And also the whole he knows how to pick, to pick his victims too. Yes.
1: Like, yeah. So...
0: When I because I I did go down that path too because I'm just like all right let's let's be more specific and be like okay have there been coaches that have targeted children of color yeah. no it and and it was the same it was thousands mm. thousands mm. of thousands. so yeah that <laughs> I was horrified and I'm just like yeah. can I I didn't end up looking something specifically because of that. But there are so many cases that if you did <laughs> want to look this up for some reason, that take your pick. Mm-hmm. There is probably one coming out right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's an you know I don't I don't like to sensationalize you know politicians and do, but it's literally an epidemic. It's yeah. literally so widespread. You know that weird thing that say boomers or not even just boomers, like. There's people that have nostalgia for a time when kids could run free in the streets and they'd come home when the lights were like light, when the sun was going down and, and they, mm. they, they, they paint it as this picturesque, perfect existence. But you ask those same people if they knew anyone that had been molested as mm. kids, usually more often than not, people will be like, oh, yeah, I knew, I knew a kid that did, or, or I knew someone from summer camp that did.
1: Uh, glorification, I suppose, the, the the nostalgic feeling that a lot of people have for uh, this quote-unquote past that didn't, just wasn't as good as we actually believe it to be. You know, like, rape still happened, molestation still happened, even when we thought we could let our children out. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, and the thing is, like, they make a good point on the show as well of male rape victims are, where female rape victims were like 50 or something years ago it is still so heavily stigmatized to for a male or a male presenting person to come out and say that they were raped and we see that a lot in this episode like and i think that's part of this picking your victims kind of situation of picking males and because they they are less likely to come forward because of that stigma
0: yeah that and the uh, lower socioeconomic
1: Mm. class
0: as well Mm. of like well, if I help this family out, they're less likely to to point at me for doing yeah. something. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a good episode. I I I'm glad I don't have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is a good episode. Mm. Do you have anything else in your notes? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I said the Dick Wolf, beeper, Dick Wolf, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dick Wolf.
0: All Dick right. Wolf. Wah, wah. Wah,
1: wah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So we're signing off. We're heinously yours, (laughs) Talia (laughs) and B.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Heinously yours. You have to say it husky. Heinously
1: yours. (laughs) I know that just sounds like I'm trying to like. (laughs) Oh, I sound like I'm sick. (laughs) Heinously yours. (laughs) Uh,
0: Get people's wires crossed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cool. Alright, good hustle, good hustle.